Lord, truly, uh, they are great. Father, we have a firm foundation, um, and, and it really is firm, and it's, it's in your word. And Father, I praise you that the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, that you will not desert to its foes. Lord, I thank you for that. Uh, Lord, it is just an incredibly great promise that you give us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, we would just pray today and that we would also follow you as you lead. Lord, oftentimes we cry out for you to lead us. Now, how often do we cry to ourselves, follow? Uh, Lord, we must follow where you lead. And so, Father, I pray that that might be our heart's cry today. And Lord, we would just pray today that as we open your word, that your promise would hold true, that your word would not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to continue looking at the book of Exodus. We've been in the book of Exodus uh, pretty much all year. I believe it was February we started this. And um, uh, looking ahead into where we're going and everything and how the year's quickly marching along, we're probably going to be in Exodus next year as well. Um, uh, not, not all of next year, though. I, I, I won't promise, but I don't think we're going to be in Exodus all year. Uh, but, but we come to an interesting section uh, of ordinances that really helps us to develop a worldview and a biblical worldview, and it will help us to understand uh, many wrong thoughts today in our society. In fact, this is something that I believe that our society often just completely misses and, and, and gets wrong and, and is totally just, just whiffing at these kind of things. And so let's open up our Bibles to our text today. Let's open up to Exodus chapter 21, uh, and we're going to be looking at verses 28 through 32. It's what we read for scripture reading this morning. Uh, that Pastor Micah read, and, 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 and I probably should have said something, you know, like, hey, Pastor Micah's here today. Uh, it, it is his first Sunday being here, so uh, it, he, he was here, though, on, on Monday, so I saw him, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I got tired of him already. No, no, just kidding. I haven't gotten tired of him at all. Uh, really enjoyed him being here, looking at, uh, forward to uh, the ministry that he's going to bring. Uh, he's going to really be getting involved a lot more um, next week. Uh, in, into the order of service and different things like that. And next month is going to preach a couple times uh, in the evening, I believe, if I'm remembering the, uh, the schedule correct. And then in October is going to preach uh, in the morning some as well. So we're really looking forward to him being here. And I'm looking forward to serving alongside of him and, uh, and, and even better, his better half there, uh, Caitlin. So Miss Caitlin. And so make sure you tell them uh, hello uh, after the service here this morning. But let's look at our text in Exodus chapter 21. Uh, verses 28 through 32. And it says, If an ox scores a man or a woman to death, and the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horns in times past, and it has been made known to his owner that he has not kept it confined, so that uh, it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life. Whatever is imposed on him, whether it is, uh, whether it is gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox gores a male or a female servant, a male or a female servant, he shall give uh, to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. The first thing I want us to see today is... 
uh, the laws uh, for a mean or for a violent animal. And that's really what this is, is talking about here, laws for a mean or for a violent animal. And of course, it's talking about an ox. So uh, I, I Google searched an ox and that's what came up. So I'm assuming that must be what an ox is. I'm, I'm not very good with animals. And, and some of you know from my sermons past or from knowing me, I'm, I'm not an animal lover. In fact, about the only way I really love an animal is on a plate, right? Uh, cooked. Yeah, you know, uh, that, that's, that's really my favorite way uh, to eat an animal, or I mean to have an animal, uh, is, is to be eating it there. It, it, but there, there are a lot of you who really, really love animals. And, and I know some of you might get upset sometimes, you know, when I go to the Chinese restaurant and, I, and, and you know, I say, how would you like your cat? Uh, or, or something like that. But, but, but I'm not here today to go into bash on animals here. This is just a, a common sense law that really God gives here for this, and, and so I'm going to try not to bash too much on animals. This isn't an animal bashing uh, sermon uh, by any means, so, so rest assured of that. But it is putting animals in their rightful place below mankind, and that's really what we're going to be looking at mostly today. Uh, but it is laws for mean or violent animals. And we see here for the first time offense, the animal shall be put to death. And, and an ox that would go and gore someone to death or, or go and, and do this kind of a thing or a, another animal that would go and, and, and kill somebody. It doesn't just apply to the ox, but that was what was the most likely of animal to go and to kill someone in that time. And, and so it was the one that was given there. But the animal shall be put to death. And it's interesting that it says here, by stoning. See, that wasn't the typical way that you'd go and, and you would uh, kill an animal. Uh, they, they didn't go and throw stones at it to tenderize the meat. Uh, by any means. That wasn't the normal way that you'd go and, and, and kill an animal or anything like that. Uh, normally, you know, you'd go and kill an animal much like you'd kill an animal uh, today, you know, when you go and prepare it would be, not, well, I'm not going to get into the details on that. But, uh, but, but you'd go, and this was a different way. This was a way that was generally used for killing a, a criminal, uh, somebody who had gone and become a murderer uh, or, or committed a different capital crime through stoning. And so it was very specific with this. Uh, they were treating this animal as a criminal, and then they would say that you couldn't go and eat the flesh. So you couldn't go and, and use an animal that had gone and killed somebody for your meal. You couldn't go and do that. That was, was wrong. That was forbidden. Uh, but the, the owner uh, shall be acquitted. And this speaks of when the animal goes and does this, and it was a surprise. It speaks of it as an accidental death. So maybe this animal had been going out, and they were a good animal. Maybe it was the best ox that you've ever seen, or the best ox in your team, or something like that, and it was really nice. But, but something happened. It spooked it. There was a rattlesnake that came across the way. It scared the ox, and the ox just goes, and it gores the person next to it on accident. Well, then the animal was to be put to death because... The reality of when it comes to it is that man is above animals, and so intent does not matter when it comes to an animal. We looked at last week uh, how we, we looked at capital crimes and how intent does matter when it comes to the person. If you're out there and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're chopping down a tree and the axe head goes and it flies off and it hits your buddy who is out there chopping down another tree and it kills him, well, that would be under manslaughter, not under murder, and that's not a capital crime. Uh, according to scripture then. But when it comes to an animal, the intent doesn't matter, even if it is an accidental death. Uh, animals being below mankind, if they take the life of a man, they should immediately be put to death. 
A mean ox or an animal, we see this continuation, this idea here. It's one that has had problems in the past. Perhaps he's attempted to harm people. Uh, the owner uh, has knowledge of this taking place. Perhaps he, he, he had gone out and he had tried to gore somebody, but he had missed or something like that. Or he was just a mean animal. You, can, you, you know, you've been around some mean animals before, I'm sure of it. I've definitely had my fair share of, uh, of being around, around mean animals and things like that. When I think of mean animals, the one that immediately comes to my mind is when I was a kid, I had a, an uncle uh, and an aunt, and they, they had a dog, and I believe this dog's name was Toast. That sound right, Dad? Was that, it was toast, yeah. It, it, it was toast. And they had this. Now, I, I don't know if the dog was actually mean or not. I just know he was on a chain. And if you got, like, even close to this dog, he'd be growling and barking and going crazy. And it just, I remember as a little kid, that just about scared me half to death, right? I, I don't know if he was actually mean or not. But in my mind as a little kid, he, he was a, a mean animal. I don't know if he'd ever tried to bite anybody or had bitten anybody or anything like that uh, or attempted to, to take the, uh, a person's life or something like that. But as a little kid walking by, oh, man, it seemed like that animal was really mean. But, but there, there was, and he was tied up then too. He was tied up. And that's what, what this scripture goes and says here is that you should go and tie up a mean animal, something uh, like that, that, that would seem to, to maybe have that tendency to want to go after people. But if this animal isn't tied up, if he's not taken uh, care of properly, and he goes out, and, and this animal goes and he goes and kills a person after that, it's not just the animal then that needs to go and to be put to death, but then also the owner needs to go and to be put to death also. The owner should be stoned. Now this is interesting because in other ancient Eastern laws, they would treat situations like this as purely monetary. And we're going to get into the monetary side in just a minute. Uh, but it didn't require the life of an owner. It didn't require the life of an owner. This shows how God values the life of mankind by stigmatizing an owner who didn't do the right thing. God in his justice stands up for the life of the innocent. This is something we need to remember. God in his justice stands up for the life of the innocent. And by the way, we need to define what's innocent through scripture and see how it describes as innocent. This shows that God sets man above animals. If you remember the ordinances earlier in the chapter, intent was important to find out uh, what happened, if what happened was capital punishment or capital crime. Animals don't have this kind of a process. They weren't uh, given a, a chance to go before a judge and have the judge go and sort this out. The animals didn't have that ability. They didn't have that right. They shouldn't be represented in the court of law. Man is above animals in God's eyes, and we will look at that more at that in just a moment. But I want us to realize that animals were treated differently, even judicially. They were treated differently there. They didn't have the same rights as man. They weren't on the same playing field as man. God wasn't intending to say that animals and mankind are the exact same or even similar. There was a clear hierarchy that man is above animals in the order of creation. And that's how he created it, and that's how he continued it, and that's how it ought to stay. But there are severe consequences for those intentionally not taking care of the responsibility of the animal that they owned. Uh, this is a reminder, I would say, to animal owners. Uh, we own an animal here. Uh, we, we have a pet, uh, a dog. You know, things get real bad. I always tell Sarah we could eat him, but uh, she doesn't like that either. But 
Um, but it is a reminder. If we do have an animal that comes into our place, it doesn't matter how much we love that animal. If he is mean, we need to go and take care of that, whether that's keeping them caged up or going and putting them down in certain instances as well. We need to be going and doing that. We need to remember those things. It's a serious thing when it comes to this as Christians. But I also want us to look at this monetary compensation that it talks about because it says something interesting here. Uh, it, it says, uh, if, if there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay uh, to redeem his life. Whatever is imposed on him, whether it is gored uh, a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. If the ox scores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. We see here that sometimes there's monetary compensation that goes along with this. And what would happen is that they would go and they would go before a court and it wouldn't be going before a court to find out if the animal should be stolen. That should happen no matter what. But they would go before the court to go and to find out if there needed to be monetary compensation. And the judge would go find out whether or not this was an accidental uh, uh, death or whether this was what was uh, an intentional kind of thing or a negligent kind of a thing. Uh, you'd go and find out that that, that you'd have to go before a judge and the judge would find out what the, the proper monetary compensation would be. And, and that's what this verse 30 points to going to a court. Judges were to look at it and to make a decision. And this is how they would find out if the owner was negligent or if it truly was just a surprise that this was a, a, a good ox or something like that that just got spooked or scared or something happened. I mean, these are massive animals. We went to the, to the state fair on Friday and we went and saw the prize-winning bull. And oh my goodness, I wouldn't want to wrestle that thing. I wouldn't want to get near that thing. That guy, that guy is huge, Right? We also, as we're walking through the horse barns, they're getting the Clydesdales out. Oh my goodness, you ever seen a Clydesdale? Talk about feeling like a small part of creation standing up to the horse. You're like looking at it like that. You know, some of you, Hans is going, what are you talking about? They're eye level for me. But, but, but for a short guy like me, I'm like, whoa. I mean, those, the hooves on those things, I mean, they were ginormous. But the judges were to go in to find out whether or not one of these, these animals did this out, out of a bad nature or out of a good nature, not because it made any difference for the animal, but because it made a difference for the owner to go and to find that out. So there was a judicial process, but the judicial process was for the owner, for the human, for the person. And there could be monetary compensation when the animal owners were guilty of negligence and it wasn't intended as, as uh, a crime as it seems, uh, the animal was still condemned to death, but the owner would have to go in to pay a price. It's interesting, here's some considerations uh, in this passage as well. Uh, children in both genders were equally protected under this law. This was something that was unique uh, in ancient Eastern times uh, that it wouldn't have been that way in other places. It wouldn't have been that way in other cultures and other societies and other nations. Really, when you're talking about equal under the law, the, the Bible and Scripture it is the only thing that really lays forth that foundation to truly have that equality under the law. And that's the true equality that we should be seeking for, not the equality that's being spoken of today, of equal outcomes. But also I want us to notice here the price of a servant was 30 pieces of silver. That's a very interesting thing uh, because Jesus was sold for exactly 30 pieces of silver. 
and he was sold for the price of a slave. And in case you're curious, that would equal out to be about 12 ounces of silver. And from a quick search, I found that today, 12 ounces of silver would equate to $285.72. Our Savior was sold for $285.72. Wow. That really cut me to the heart when I thought about that. Judas sold Jesus Christ for 285 bucks. Not even 300. And yet the precious price of his blood that was shed for us is priceless. This principle, this law that we've been looking at here, it, it screams something. And what it screams is when it tells us is that man is more valuable than animals. Man is more valuable than animals. And I want us to understand that. Let's, let's go to some of these scriptures that are on the screen here. The first one is Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Why is man more valuable than animals? Well, first of all, it's because man is made in the image of God. And it says in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over, every, uh, and over all the earth, and over the creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. We see in the, the hierarchy of, of, of species or, or kinds that we think about this, you, you go and you have God who is above all. And he goes and he says, let's make man in our own image. And so he goes and he makes man in his image. And so there we are, we are under God. But part of that image bearing, not all of it, but part of that image bearing is to hold a seat of authority that we would have dominion, that we would be above the animals in the animal kingdom and over the earth. And we are above. That's why mankind is more valuable than a tree and mankind is also more valuable than an animal. And mankind is more valuable than all these things. So you have God at the top you have mankind there, and then you have the animals, and then at the very bottom you have cats, right? I, I, I got a couple of amens out there, a couple sympathy chuckles. But, but, uh, but, but no, we, we go and we look at this here. Mankind is to be above them because we're made in the image of God. In Genesis 9, we see this reaffirmed, and, and we see this principle drawn out even further. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, it says this, So God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth and on the fish of the sea. They are given to your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be your food or shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as green herb, but you shall not eat the flesh uh, with its life, that is its blood. Surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast, I will require it. And from the hand of every man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. We see here this idea that God created man in his own image. And that creates man, giving man a seat to sit above all of the other animals. I shouldn't say other animals. That's... Sorry, that, that, is a, uh, that is a mistake and statement by me. Let me correct that. All of the animals were not animals. That, that's from 
uh, being brainwashed in our culture that I, I make a statement like that, right? But we go and we see here that we're to be above them. And, and God goes and even says that if an animal goes and kills a man, I will go and shed his blood, that animal's blood. I'll require that blood of the animal. And of course, mankind too. We looked at that last week there when it came to capital crimes. Man is above animals, and this is vital to understand, in something that Satan is constantly attacking. This is something that Satan is constantly attacking. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. But, but I want us to understand, because you might be sitting out here going, okay, you're really, Pastor, you're really stressing. You're really stressing a very, very simple concept, but it is so important, and it is so lost in our culture, and you get attacked by it every single day. So I'm going to try to drive this into our minds. I try to drive this into my own mind. I try to drive this into my son's mind. I try to drive this in everywhere we can get because this is so important. You are above animals and you're made in the image of God. Now, what does it mean that man is made in the image of God? I believe that our God, I believe in the Trinity. He is a three in one. I believe that man is also therefore a, a three in one, so to say, made out of Three parts of a man that makes up one man. Here we're not a three in one like the same way that God is. Uh, but we're a trichotomy. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And scripture teaches this as well. In Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and to the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of hearts. We see here that Scripture can go and divide between the soul, the spirit, and it talks about the joints and marrow also in there. That's the body. Uh, we go and we see that. Even clearer, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see he talks about the preservation of our spirit, soul, and body. We see that there. There's three things, and that makes up one person. So a three and one, it's a picture of the Godhead as to who we were made in the image of, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is a three and one, and we are made as a three that makes one, and in his image, he has put his image on our life. Now we need to understand these parts of man because it's important that we understand the distinction because some people go and they say, well, what, what, what does this mean? Really, they mean what's the difference between a soul and a spirit? Most people can understand the difference between a body and a soul and a spirit. But a body, of course, is the outward form or house in which the soul, our soul and our spirit dwell. The soul is the invisible part of all living beings that feels. It is the seat of our affections, our emotions, our passions, and our desires. Our, the spirit is the invisible part of man that knows the seed of his intellect, mind, and will. This gives him self-determination and makes him a moral agent and a rational being. Animals are just simply made of two parts. They have passions or emotions, and so they are immaterial, but with a material body. But it's not immaterial in the same way that we are, something that can connect us to eternity, which is our spirit. God is a spirit, and so that's what connects us to eternity. We go and we see that, and that connection, he breathed into us that. But this is an interesting concept, because you might be sitting here saying, now hold on here, because sometimes when I look at my dog, it looks like he's smiling at me, and that seems like emotion. 
uh, or well, actually, dogs have emotions. Sorry, you might go and say, I, I look at my dog, and, and, and you know, he, he's. He, I've seen some other dogs; they're pretty dumb, you know. And, and and my dog, though, he's pretty smart. He can go and he can do this and he can do that. He can play dead and he can go and and take a treat and he can bow wow wow or something like that, you know. He he can do all these kinds of things. Well, first of all, I just want to tell you that, as it says in Hebrews four twelve. It's the Word of God that divides between the soul and the spirit, so there is in some ways some overlap, so I'm probably not going to be uh, giving it to you quite accurately, uh, exactly 100%, but to the best of my ability in going and defining these two things. It is only the Word of God that can really separate these two things and understand those kinds of things. But one thing I can say is that an animal is not a moral being. He is not a moral agent. And that's why an animal can't go and sit up on trial. Because what are you judging when you put somebody up on trial? You're making moral judgments. That's what a courtroom does. That's what a judge is doing. They're going and they're judging moral things and giving moral agencies and judgments upon moral agents. And that's why God says, no, don't go and, and have uh, somebody represent the ox. The ox is going to be stoned. The representation is for the owner as to whether the owner was negligent or not. Animals are made of two parts. They don't have a moral agency. They're not able to solve moral dilemmas. They're not made in the image of God. You might be going and saying, now hold on here, when Adam and Eve were created, don't you remember that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They ate of that tree. Did they have knowledge of good and evil before then? Well, they might not have had knowledge of good and evil before them. And I would say that a baby doesn't have knowledge of good and evil also when they're born. But I will say this, God didn't intend them to eat of that tree. He intended to teach them in the right way, the knowledge of good and evil. He always wanted mankind to know the difference between good and evil. He wanted them to learn though through obedience, not through disobedience. And that's important to understand. The last point I want us to look at this morning is that our society doesn't seem to understand the principle that man is more valuable than animals. Our society gets it wrong. Our society gets it wrong. First of all, the predominant view in our society is humanism. Specifically, though, they teach evolution. They teach evolution. And evolution teaches that you are just an animal. You're just an animal. That's what evolution teaches. They teach that you came from, from an ape or something else and that you went and you grew and there's all these different kinds of things and missing links and, and if you go all the way back to it where a particle and everything came from that little particle and it all evolved and it came uh, is it, in like a, an evolutionary hierarchy as it went and it grew and things like that. And so what would be their conclusion? That mankind, that we're just another form of animal, but you are not. You're more than an animal. Jesus Christ died for you. He didn't die for the cat. He didn't die for the goldfish. He didn't die for the pony. He didn't die for the dog. Jesus died for you. He came to the cross, not so that all dogs could go to heaven, but so that mankind could accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and so that mankind could go to heaven. He tells us in 1 John 2, 2, that He's propitiation not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ wants people to be saved. 
He came and he died on the cross for us. It doesn't mean everybody will be saved. He gives us a, a moral agency to accept or to reject God. And many will reject God. Jesus tells us, broad is the path that leads to destruction. Many travel it. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few there find it. Jesus also lives for you if you've accepted him as your Savior. He lives for you if you've accepted him as your, as your Savior. He lives for us and he ever makes intercessions for us. And I love what it says in John 14, that if we know him, he went to heaven to go and to prepare a place for us, that where he is, there we may be also. He didn't do that for the animal. He did that for man. He did that for those who accepted him as their Savior specifically. Also, we see this through unjust penalties in our society today. The most common one that we would go and look at is bald eagles. Killing a bald eagle may get you five years in prison or $250,000 fine. Some examples of this, by the way, because sometimes people think that this might just be hyperbole and say, yeah, well, the court's never actually done these kind of things. Well, one person was fined $90,000 in 2005 in Florida. This one doesn't make much sense to me, but they must have lowered the maximum penalty after this one. But in 2005 in Florida, another person for killing a bald eagle was fined $356,000, $356,125 for killing a bald eagle. A man in West Virginia was, uh, had to spend six days in a federal prison. That doesn't sound too bad. But then he also had to spend 11 months and 26 days, so he had basically an entire year in house arrest, in house arrest in West Virginia for killing a bald eagle. Now we think about that with unjust penalties. You say, well, well how is that unjust? Well, what is the consequence for abortion? What is the consequence for abortion? There really isn't one. In some states, infanticide is allowed. In Virginia and New York, and there's actually some other ones too as well, but those are the two prominent ones that came to the news a couple of years ago. And all abortion, of course, is murder, uh, whether it's infanticide or not, it's murder. And there isn't a penalty there. We see that it's unjust in our society. What is the statement that they're making? They're actually making a statement further than what I'm going to say here initially, and then I'll tell you what statement they're actually making. But, but we see that they're, they're saying that mankind is an animal, but actually what they're saying is, is that mankind is below animals. Or some animals. Anyway. That's actually the statement that our society is making. Another thing is euthanasia. Euthanasia. There are states that allow it. These states allow it. California, uh, active euthanasia. Uh, California, Colorado, Washington, D.C. That's not a state, but an area. Hawaii, Maine, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, Oregon, Vermont, Washington. These are states that allow euthanasia. And what is euthanasia? It's not talking about young people over, uh, over in Asia. That's not what we're talking about when we say euthanasia. We're talking about the assisted killing uh, of people uh, or the, the killing before it's, it, the, somebody's ready. But the, really, the, the murder 
and they go and they like to you know, dress it up with that word euthanasia, but the, the, the helping people, the assisted suicide, these kinds of things, these, the, uh, the, the dying with dignity is, is one of the new phrases. Dying with dignity. There is no dignity in death. Let me tell you here, I've, I've been a, a, a chaplain at a nursing home and as a pastor I've done, uh, done a lot of uh, funerals and I've seen people die. We've buried them. I, I've been there with them. There is zero dignity in death because God did not create death to be a dignified thing because he didn't intend for us originally to die. He intended mankind to live forever and we fell. But there is active euthanasia, and we think of active euthanasia, we think of Terry Schiavo down in Florida, uh, who was denied, d- denied food and water, and they let her starve to death there in a nursing home. Well, actually, that, that's probably more of an example of passive euthanasia. Active euthanasia would be like, uh, I, I believe it's over, I, I won't say the, the name of the nation because I can't remember exactly the name of the nation, uh, it, it, but it's, it's one of the, the, the northern European nations that, that they go and they allow people to go in there and they get into a pod and when they want to die, they hit a button and they're done. Oregon has some similar things like that, but it's not quite, you generally have to have some kind of a sickness uh, to be able to go and do that, prove that you're, you're terminally, terminally ill or something like that, but that's active euthanasia. And then there's also passive euthanasia, which we see quite a bit, which is the starvation of people. I've seen this in Iowa happen actually as a chaplain at a nursing home. I didn't really know what was going on. hadn't thought through the the, the moral uh, uh, implications of what was going on at the time. I was what was was really young, but but we were sitting out there, and there was somebody who had a, a urinary tract infection. Literally the week before, they were up walking around having cognizant uh, conversations. They were fine. Everything was good with them. They go uh, in because they have a urinary tract infection, and they go and they they, they say we're going to try antibiotics for a for a day, 24 hours. That's it. Then they said, now we're going to make them comfortable, and they just starved them to death on pain medicine. That happened in Iowa, rural Iowa, no less, by the way. All because the family was kind of tired of paying the nursing home bill. That was really the thing. They were just kind of tired of it. It's murder. That's what it is. God created mankind in his own image. And we see from Exodus chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, that, that it is clear that mankind is above animals. There is an intrinsic value to mankind. Let me put it this way too. You have an intrinsic value. And yet our world, in irony of ironies, in the name of love goes out and says you're not valuable you deserve death you're less than an animal or you're just an animal really breaks my heart to think about that Because God, ultimately, he is the giver of life. He's the creator of life. And he's the only one who could be the giver of life. Because who is God? I am that I am. He is the self-existent one. 
that's who God is. Today I want to conclude by reminding you to value life because God is the giver of life. He is the author of life and he provides a way for eternal life through Jesus Christ. Man is made in the image of God and man is above animals. So we need to value life. We need to protect life and we need to honor the image of God. That's what we need to do today. When we go and we realize or we think we have the broken worldview that man is just an animal, that man is less than an animal in certain situations, we're not honoring the image of God. We're not honoring the giver of life. We're not honoring and valuing the life of mankind. There's a difference between us and animals. Look, I know some of you guys love animals quite a bit. I, I, I wish I could sit up here and tell you I love animals quite a bit, but like I said, I just love to eat animals. That's really, I, th this one wasn't a hard one for me to grasp. But some of you love animals. But I want you to know, mankind is above animals. So something that is attacked constantly in our society. And I, I know for some of you, you're going, this is just a simple concept but it is just an important foundational building block that we can see within the law of God in Exodus chapter 21 on a section titled Animal Control Laws. God knew what he was doing and God is consistent from beginning to end. That's right. And we need to follow him. We need to go and to uphold his word. We need to obey it and we need to proclaim it to others. There are many people out there today that just get treated terrible because they're attacked from a worldview that believes that animals are above mankind. Let's close in a word of prayer here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity given us to come and to worship you. What a privilege that is, Father. And Lord, as we, we stop and we just think about your word and Father, what you have spoken, Lord, we praise you that you have placed mankind above animals. And Father, we don't say this in, with any pride. We say this just simply recognizing that we're created in your image, that there is a difference between us and them. And Father, I pray that as our world goes and they devalue life, that they try to, really, it's, it's Satan attacking the image of God. Father, that we might be able to see through that. And Father, that as, as people come into, and they, they, they come into crisis in their life, truly, Father, we see it all throughout our world, that we might be able to point them to the value that they have in Jesus Christ, the true value the value that they are an eternal being and that they best know uh, where they're going to spend in eternity, that they best know Jesus Christ is their Savior or they will burn forever in hell, and justly so. Because we have offended you, a holy God, Lord. And Father, as we, uh, as a society, not we as the church, but Father, as our society seeks to destroy the image of God and to, to, to devalue it through the murder of babies and through the exaltation of animals and through the descent of the view of man. Father, I pray that we might turn to you, find our true value, proclaim that true value, and that our nation and that our society 
might repent and that souls might be saved. Father, that children might be saved. And Lord, that you might be glorified. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.